Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, July 4th. We begin with a conversation with Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in European affairs. Andrew brings us an update on the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the latest in the bid by both Sweden and Finland to join NATO. Will rising interest rates force would-be homebuyers to change their plans or maybe decide not to get into the market in the first place? We hear details of a new real estate survey indicating that over 75% of Canadians are feeling stressed about the rising rates and how the increase could affect their choice in housing. Could it be that vitamins and supplements you take on a daily basis do absolutely nothing to improve your health? We catch up with Dr. Ted Jablonski for details on a new study which claims that's the case. And finally, it's another edition of Motivational Monday, a chance to get you motivated today and beyond. This time out, we speak with Chris Westfall, performance coach, keynote speaker, and author of the new book, Easier. After 125 days of war in Ukraine, how do we keep Canadians and the world engaged with the war in Ukraine and fight apathy? With Insight, we are joined by Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in European affairs. Good morning to you, Andrew. Good morning, Andy, and thank you for having me back again. Thank, thank you for being here. Uh, do you believe that people are becoming apathetic to the war in Ukraine, or are we seeing signs of this? I think what we're seeing signs is that um, people are following a normal attitude in the sense that people react to events uh, in the moment. Uh, and, uh, you know, whatever, like there's, there's the assassinations in, in Paris or whatever, the Charlie Hebdo thing, and that was all over the news for a while. But things dissipate. Now, this war is not going away. Uh, it is there, and, and yesterday the Russians won a major victory by taking this town in, in uh, Luhansk, in the region of Donbass, effectively securing that region. That, that's a major event. But is that getting a lot of residents in Canada? It's making the news. But on the other hand, you know, after months and months of a grinding war of attrition, where the headline stuff is kind of disappearing, it's becoming more of the same grind. And the people get used to the grind. And then they start worrying about the price of gas they're putting in their cars and the price it's going to cost them to make a barbecue this summer. I mean, that's real. That's realistic. I know people are dying over there, but people at the end of the day usually start thinking about their own personal circumstances, and the economies are difficult for Canadians, and Canadians are starting to worry about it. You mentioned, you know, that President Putin, uh, not taking his foot off the gas, so to speak, particularly eastern sections of Ukraine, we'll get the latest in the update, but to a certain extent, this kind of an apathy that we're, we're touching on here, could this not play into President Putin's hands, uh, you know, just hoping that uh, it does become old news and people forget what's actually happening in that war-torn country? Well, but, uh, yes, and the, but the, the, I guess, and the, but the practical effect is, the question then becomes the ability of, and the willingness of the Western states that have pledged to continue to send armaments and money to Ukraine. From a, from a military and political point of view, this is the critical uh, factor in the balance between Ukrainian uh, military capability at, at, to fight the Russians and vice versa. So uh, the leaderships of the Western countries, they, we had summit week last week, as you know, and in, in all those things, you know, from the European Union, the G, G7, and the NATO summits, they all pledged additional and continuing support for Ukraine, both military and financial. So 
that part of the equation remains. I think the question really becomes how long can political leadership, because at the end of the day, it's the political leadership who makes those decisions. But they have to keep an eye on the public and, and the polls. Italians are very concerned about their polls, which actually show that majority of Italians are now starting to turn against the war and the sanctions. So what happens in the fall, when the war moves into a, a continuing war of attrition, and the Ukrainians come back and ask for more equipment, more money, what will the Western response be? I think that's the pivotal point. As we go further down the line, yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the latest as far as what's happening on the ground. Russia celebrating after claiming to have captured a key area of Ukraine. Can you break it down for us, um, what this victory is, if it is really a victory, and, and where we're at today? Yeah, it's, it's a tactical victory. It's, they haven't won the war, but, but they, it is, a, it is a, from the Russian point of view, an important achievement. Now, as we all know, when the war started, and we've talked about it, the Russians tried to take Kiev and do a regime change and all that sort of thing. That failed. So then they focused on the Donbass. Now, in that the campaign, over time, they have, to use that colloquium, they've got their act together now. They are using their strong points, the artillery and their numbers of troops, and they continue to methodically, slowly press the attack over the last month. And in the last two weeks, they've actually moved the front lines westward, with yesterday's movement being a particularly significant one in the sense that by taking that town yesterday, they have basically, the Shansk, they basically have taken now the entire uh, Luhansk area of the Donbass. Now, the Donbass has two districts, Luhansk and Donetsk. In the Donetsk area, the Russians uh, control at least half of it. But now that's where the main battle is being formed. And Trudeau is, uh, uh, Putin has given uh, orders to his uh, military commanders to now press the attack in the Donetsk area. You mentioned, you know, the member nations meeting uh, last week, and now we're hearing also, you know, continuation of what was presented a while back. Uh, Sweden and Finland looking for NATO memberships. Have we had any progress for those NATO memberships for those two countries? Yeah, so so the Turks uh, drove a very hard bargain uh, on that. Now, they expected, and they, got, they received a, a memorandum was signed between the Turks and Sweden and Finland on the issue of the Kurds, the Kurd refugees in those countries, where the uh, Turks allege that they are, in fact, terrorists, and, uh, and they uh, have, have gotten at least an agreement on, on paper from the Swedes and the Finns that they would respect Turkish concerns. Now, we'll see how that works out, because the Turks are expecting, uh, I think it's Sweden and or Finland, to extradite something like 73 people that the, that the Turks have identified as terrorists. And that now the Swedes and the Finns are saying, well, we have to do this within our national laws, blah, blah, blah. So we'll see where that one goes. But, the, but at, for the purpose of the, of the meeting in Madrid, the Turks felt satisfied. And also the Americans, the other thing the Turks wanted was uh, the Americans to speed up the, the sale of F-16 fighter jets to Turkey. Uh, because the Americans had become upset with Turkey that they bought Russian anti-aircraft systems. So they started putting the brakes on this sale. Now that now that President Biden has said, oh, no, it's a bureaucratic glitches. It's all clear now. You're going to get your fighters. So on Thursday, it appeared that the Turks had gotten what they wanted. And they said, okay, we will not object to uh, Finnish and Swedish accession to NATO. Now, let's see how that plays out. Okay. Before we let you go, got about a minute here, Andrew. We've talked a lot about the beefing up and the needs of the Ukrainian fighters and, you know, how the world's coming together. What about on the other side? Do we know how the Russian military is holding up and what sorts of, uh, you know, hits they've taken? 
They are managing. Okay, they've taken huge casualties, but so have the so have the Ukrainians. Uh, they are. They have more artillery, and they have more ammunition. This is the basic stuff. They are running somewhat short of their high tech stuff, the precision stuff. But they got lots of the basic traditional stuff you see from World War II stuff. Now the Russians can continue to produce this stuff uh, because the sanctions. Don't forget, the sanctions are Western sanctions fundamentally. They are Russia is not isolated from the world. They still trade with China and 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 Russia and India and so on. Now they are able to still have a defense industry at home for the basic stuff. They are producing it, so the Russian momentum will continue. It's it's uh, they they not on the high tech stuff, but they got the basics. And and their victory uh, yesterday. Uh, was a product of the basic systems, not the sophisticated systems. Okay, good stuff. Thanks for the update, Andrew. Appreciate your time. You're very welcome, Andy. Anytime. It's Andrew Rasoulis, fellow at the Canadian Global Affairs Institute and an expert in Eastern European affairs. Will rising interest rates force Canadians to reevaluate or compromise on what kind of a home they can afford? With details on how to navigate interest rates and break into the bustling housing market, we're joined by Michelle Moberez. District Vice President at TD. Good morning to you, Michelle. Good morning, Andrew. First of all, am I saying your last name correctly? You have it perfect. Thank you. It happens every now and then for me. Uh, Let's let's dig into this, Michelle. Uh, What was the greatest takeaway for you for this uh, TD 2022 real estate survey? There was so much that was actually uncovered, a lot of surprising information as well. But when you think about um, who this impacts, a lot of times people think, oh, it's people who are looking to get into the housing market. But really, it's three in five homeowners actually expect to take some action on their mortgage, whether that's buying a new place, uh, renewing their mortgage, or even doing an equity takeout to do some renovations. So it's a huge amount of our population that are homeowners today that are impacted by the rising interest rates. It's a great point, Michelle. So often we think of those people looking to get out of the renting market, but how many people have their mortgages up anytime soon and have to renew? That's a very good point. Uh, what do Albertans specifically need to consider if they're looking to buy a new home? What should be on their list? It, the best thing that you can do is do your research. Talk to your mortgage specialist or financial advisor at pd.com. We certainly have all the tools and resources to help. Um, to make sure you know what you're qualifying for. I know a number of years ago, because the interest rates have been low for so long, you know, there was all this debate and question, why, you know, are they trying to qualify me at an interest rate 2% higher than where we're at right now? Well, when you think about a 25-year amortization on a mortgage, and now with interest rates rising, not significant amount, mm. you'd want to make sure that there is the absolute affordability as people go through the various life stages you might buy a house today, um, maybe it's as a single person, as it's two people going into a home, and then maybe your family grows. And so really those expenses grow with it. What's certainly on Albertans' minds is how do we make sure that we get into the home that's right for us? And you're seeing a lot of compromising that people were looking at doing or maybe wouldn't have done previously. So an example of that would be, you know what, I'm actually going to take a smaller house than what I thought, which would be a smaller yard size than what I anticipated. I'm actually willing to look at doing a purchase that maybe isn't with somebody who's in my direct circle, so maybe not a sibling or um, a traditional partner that you might have that you'd be doing a purchase with is 
you might be looking to buy with a friend um, mm. to say, how can we get into the housing market and still make it affordable? I never thought of that. That's a, that's a suggestion that, uh, you know, has never come to mind for me anyway. Uh, let's uh, talk about the knowledge base of Canadians and homeowners and potential homeowners, because I would think like, for example, if, if, if my mortgage is up and I have to renew in November and we're now in July, you might be out of practice and not realize that you can lock in today. And you might be also thinking that, oh, by November, rates will be lower. If you can talk about, for example, the importance of locking in and, and talking to a professional about the, you know, moving ahead the next a few months from now. It, absolutely. And Andrew, we'd love to be able to help you with your mortgage. So certainly don't hesitate to reach out. Um, what you can do is you can have an interest rate guarantee of 120 days. And this is the value of making sure that you're talking to your financial advisor up front so that you can do um, the preparedness right now to make sure, do I understand the impact this is going to have for me? Because a lot of people do go into their purchase of a home and they forget, well, wait a minute, what's going to happen in this three years or five years when the interest rates do change, if they do change? And so, you know, your banker's always there to help you because some people will be making a decision to say, you know what, I'm okay. Or others might have to make a different decision, say, you know what, this actually becomes unaffordable for us. And therefore, I'm actually looking at some different options, which might include downsizing, looking at, um, you know, doing an equity takeout, anything that might just relieve some pressure for some people with some other expenses that they have on there. But talking to your financial advisor is always the best advice that I can provide. Have you ever, Michelle, in your time, and we're going off the survey a bit here, but have you ever seen a time like this in, in the housing market and when it comes to interest rates for home buyers? So we're on radio, so you can't see my age, but certainly I can relate to it. I've been in banking for 33 years, and I can relate to this from the 90s, but a lot of people can Because of the fact that they haven't had these experiences, we've been in such a low interest rate environment for so long it actually is um, a bit of a shock to the system. And people are realizing, wait a second, you know, that dream house that I had maybe actually doesn't have all the rooms or the um, structures that I was originally envisioning and anticipating because the interest rates are having an impact. So it has happened. There's no question about it. But it's, um, you know, it's, it is still doable to get into home ownership. It's very doable to get into home ownership, but we're just really trying to caution um, all of our clients to make sure that they're making good informed decisions for themselves. Because again, this is typically a purchase that you're making over 25 years and you want to make sure that um, you and your loved ones are positioned for success. Um, not just having the beautiful house, but making sure that um, you're not that traditional term of house. Uh, that you can still live quite nicely while having a home. Great discussion and great points. Thanks so much, Michelle. We appreciate your time. Have a wonderful day. Take care. You too. That is Michelle Michelle Moberez, District Vice President at TD. While many of us believe that taking vitamins and other supplements on a daily basis help to promote a healthy lifestyle, newly released research claims that's simply not the case. To discuss the study, we are joined by Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Good morning to you, Dr. J. Good morning. You'll have to excuse me. I just finished washing down my Omega. 
my D, uh, glucosamine chondritin, and a multivitamin. Are you Whoa. honestly here to tell me that I that it doesn't matter? <laughs> Probably correct. Uh, this is not the first study. We've had studies over the years where they look at anything, uh, any of the research they can get their hands on that uh, speaks to multivitamin use. And is there an improvement in cardiovascular risk? Is there improvement in cancer risk? And every single time that they do uh, an analysis of the data, it comes out extremely neutral that this really doesn't seem to make any difference whatsoever, which is incredibly disappointing. But what about something, you know, our producer, Reese Schaefer, said, what about vitamin D? Um, I know we've been told time and time again, particularly, you know, where we live with, with, you know, being indoors a lot of the year, we need vitamin D. That's not the case? Well, so this study was more of a multivitamin as opposed to a specific study. But even with vitamin D, it's very hard to to prove a a lot of benefit. Uh, We can prove that in Canada you have low levels through the winter. uh, And I think that's easy to prove. But whether improving that level is going to make a huge difference overall, particularly, again, for that cardiovascular risk, the cancer risk, it's very, very difficult to prove. And even more difficult to prove... Um, across the board with multivitamins, you know, and typically uh, the multivitamin has everything in it, right? You know, the, the A's, the B's, the C's, that you know, has some D, has all kinds of uh, supplements as part of it. And that's very difficult to prove any benefit from that. Okay, now here's the big question. This is just kind of, it's kind of an airy-fairy question for you, Dr. Jablonski. <laughs> I'm ready. I believe that I feel better when I'm taking my vitamin regimen. I believe that I have more energy. Is that all in my mind? Probably yes. Because even <laughs> even if you had um, a deficiency, it would take months to build it back up and you would not be able to tell that on a day-to-day basis. It would be an overall, if you had deficiencies and I took something for a year, a year later I might feel better. But it isn't, the, you know, so this is a placebo effect. And again, this is a, there's no negative here. Mm. If you truly do something, act that is positive and good and that makes you feel better mm-hmm. fantastic for some people that might be going for a walk or a bike ride for you if it's taking you know multiple pills <laughs> and that makes you feel better that's an act that you're doing something positive uh-huh. fantastic good on you okay we're gonna have to do something soon on bone broth because that's something else that i'm interested in but we don't have any time right now <laughs> we can talk about bone loss absolutely all right we'll put that on the list thank you so much have a great monday okay you betcha That is Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician. Time to get up and get motivated on a Monday. In this installment of Motivational Monday, we look at an easier way to handle crisis, setback, and grief with author and business coach Chris Westfall. Good morning to you, Chris. Good morning. Thanks for having me on the program today. Oh, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Well, we do know that life is hard. Nothing is really easy, but your new book, Easier is looking to change that. Tell us about your new book and uh, how the ball got rolling. What was it that inspired you to write easier? Well, it really was inspired by by the pandemic. Uh, I mean, the, the pandemic took something from from all of us. And and for me, I, I went through a, a period of grief and loss that was something that completely unexpected when, when I lost my, my father during the pandemic. And from this place, of, of any, I'm going to say despair was really where I was. I, I said, what, what can I do to get through this experience and how can I 
how can I shift from how am I going to get through this to what can I get from this, from this loss, from having something taken from me? And, and how can I create something that, that might help others that are feeling like something's been taken away? Maybe they haven't lost a loved one, but, but life, as you, as you said, life can be difficult. And this book looks at ways to make relationships work, uh, being a parent, being a son or a daughter. It looks at ways to make all of those things and more easier because when when life is difficult and life life is always difficult there is a way to show up that makes things easier even in the midst of tough circumstances and chris you mentioned the death of your father was a huge impetus for this but you know it's interesting because crises it's not a one-size-fits-all, nor is setback or grief. It, it's different for everybody, the level of, of what it takes to kind of push somebody to the edge. Is that something you had in perspective in, in the sense that it's not for everybody? It might not be the death of a parent or something as major of losing a career of 20 years? Absolutely, because difficulty comes to us all in different forms and different shapes. But one of the things that, that I've learned that always makes things easier, and it's something that I try to remember whenever I can, is, is to simply do the doable, to put one foot in front of the other, whatever it is that you're facing, to look at what is it that I can do right now with the resources that I have. I mean, if you're looking at your life and the solution involves, you know, a transporter beam and warp drive, <laughs> it's, it's going to be kind of difficult. But what is it that we can do right now to do the doable and, and take action against whatever it is that we might be facing. And, and true, maybe it's, maybe it's not grief or loss that you're dealing with. Maybe it's a, a difficult coworker. Or maybe you're having trouble with your spouse or your partner right now. What is that one thing, that one thing that you know that you need to do? What's that one conversation that you know you need to have that could make things easier? It's uh, what, what, what's cool about what you just said, Chris, is I think it's just not that glamorous to, to move in baby steps. And I like to think visually, such as if you were standing in front of a, a staircase with 20 stairs, you wouldn't think you could reach one foot up and climb all 20 stairs at the same time. But we know one step at a time we can make it. Uh, is this is this a case for us that we don't have patience? Uh, and is this something new for humanity? Have we always, you know, uh, not wanted to do put in the work to get the result? Well, I think deep down we all understand how life works, but it's our thinking that gets in the way. We look at that that staircase, you know, those 20 steps, and we go, well, I've got to decide right now what I'm going to be doing on step 18 and 19 and how I'm going to get to 20. It's useful to think about outcomes, but it's really smart to understand that, that we plan, but life is filled with the unexpected. And when we face that unexpected, not with fear of like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's uncertain. I don't know what step 18 is going to look like. When we step towards that and go, that's how life works. It's, it's a place of understanding that we are capable, that when we get to step 19, we're going to be able to deal with it. It's like if I ask you, hey, what are you going to have for lunch on Thursday? You say, Chris, I, I don't know, but when Thursday gets here, I'll figure it out. What if step 19 of the climb of our lives is the same way? What if we have the capacity to figure things out? And when we understand that we do, because that's something that all human beings share, each of us according to our own talents and gifts, but we have the ability to figure things out. We have the ability, and I'm going to say this, this is going to sound crazy, but I'm going to say it anyway. We all have the ability to access moments of genius. Mm. And 
when, when we see that, and, and it's simple things, even like, you know, simple things, even children, I mean, you know, as they say, out of the mouths of babes, right? I mean, kids will say amazing things, and you're like, wow, where did that come from? The answer is, we all have the ability to tap into genius, and we, when we get lost in planning and trying to figure out exactly what we're going to have for lunch for next, <laughs> next Thursday or what Step 19 is going to look like, what we're missing is the moment. What we're missing is what's right in front of us. What we're missing is the ability to do the doable and, and to take action versus trying to manage the future because the future is unpredictable, and, and that actually isn't a source of discomfort. It's just the way that things work. And when the future gets here, the funny thing is we all have the capacity to deal with it. Very interesting. Speaking with Chris Westfall, coach, author, keynote speaker, and uh, lasering in on his book called Easier. Uh, Chris, uh, you know, you mentioned the pandemic, and that was uh, one of the reasons your book was born. Can you give us uh, the other side of the pandemic, which is a positive to come out of the pandemic that, you know, the general public, our listeners could use to say, okay, it was a very rough two years plus, but this is a positive. This is something that has changed for the better that we can embrace and move forward with our lives. Sure, Andy. The, the question that, that I asked myself that pointed me and actually was really a turning point was to ask myself, what's good about this? Because in, in every situation, no matter how difficult it is, good always exists. Like, like hope, it always exists. But we say all hope is lost. That's false. It's never lost. We just don't know where to find it or we aren't willing to look for it. And when you ask yourself what's good about this, it's a step towards seeing a new possibility. And if you want to turn a situation around, the first step is seeing new possibilities. If it looks like there's only one way forward, if it looks like there's only one way up that staircase of life, stop, step back, look at that again, because think about it. In, in this moment, right now, in this interview, how many possibilities exist? The answer is infinite. I mean, I could say anything. You yeah. could say anything. We, we have infinite possibilities, and it's easy to see that because we're not in a stressful situation. But if that's true in this interview, isn't it true that even in difficult situations, possibilities always exist. So stepping back, taking a look at what those possibilities are. And for me, the question that, that really has made a difference is saying, what's good about this? Just reframing. Hey, listen, we're going to uh, direct people to Westfall Online, just like it sounds, westfallonline.com. Um, is that where we can get the book as well, Chris, or are there other places? Uh, you can find the book online, and you can also check out the book's website, and it's easier-book.com. Good stuff. Thank you so much for your time on a Monday morning, Chris. We appreciate it. Have a great rest of your day, and uh, happy 4th of July to you. Uh, thank you so much, Andy. Have a great day. Appreciate it. That is Chris Westfall, coach, author, keynote speaker. New book is called Easier. And again, it's westfallonline.com. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.